Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Spa Strong Podcast. I'm Royal. I'm Melissa. And we have two amazing guests with us today in Pasadena. Yes. Woo-hoo. This is our first time recording live in person with our guests, right? Yeah. Woo-hoo. Awesome. Okay. So before we introduce them, as you know, if Uh-oh. you are loving the Spa Strong Podcast, if you can't get enough of it, please subscribe and leave a review. These reviews really help us to be able to reach more estheticians, more beauty professionals. Thank you so much for all of you who have left reviews. We truly appreciate y'all. We're so happy to hear that this podcast has been benefiting you. So now we're so excited about these guests. So we um, were trying to get them on to our podcast before COVID-19 and all the madness. So this was supposed to, this episode has been being planned since like February or March. A long time. Yeah. But today we have the pleasure of speaking with Paul and Tessany Lubers. They're the co-hosts of Lashcast Podcast and the founders of the Lash Conference. Paul and Tessany, thank you so much thank for you. being here with us. We're totally jazzed. As always, we're so excited to be here. We just got done recording you guys on ours, so this is great to be able to turn around and I'll be a guest on your show. So thank you for inviting us to be on it. Of course, oh, of course. So we were discussing before we started recording that we're going to release the episodes like the same week. So yeah. you can listen to ours, jump over to theirs, and you'll get just... A lot of fun. We've yeah. been having a good time. <laughs> and Melissa killed it, by the way. She shared a lot of amazing stuff. So if you guys, I'm sure you maybe have talked about it on your own podcast, but if you haven't gotten like the real download on her book and what she's all about and what they're both about, uh, come and listen to our podcast. You'll, you'll get it. They really did an amazing job. Thank you. Thank I you. appreciate yeah, thank you so that. Yeah. So we're super excited to be able to have y'all on. Um, the we, even before we reached out to y'all on DMs, it was, I mean, gosh, back in February, I mean, we were super, super small. Like, <laughs> our our audience was really small. Our podcast is really small. And so I was like, okay, we've got to reach out to people. I'm super nervous, but I'm going to DM them. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to uh, do it, and I'm so glad you did. <laughs> and then we were mean and a jerk and canceled yeah. on you. Yeah. They just left <laughs> us on red. Not at all. They, yeah, they left us on red and didn't yeah. say anything. Totally yeah. ghosted. I don't, no, yeah. no, 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 not at all. Y'all were super pleasant and gracious, and we appreciate you like being willing to collaborate with us and be on our podcast. And y'all were speakers at our first ever Spa right. Strong Summit. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Which, y'all absolutely killed it. Thank yeah. you so much for doing that with us. Yeah, it was a, I think it was like 20 minutes, I think we had. It was yeah. like the fastest 20 minutes I think we've ever had. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was like... I- I gave them the most difficult topic of all time because I wasn't even thinking about the 20 minute time frame. I was thinking about like, what's a catchy topic, you yeah. know, something that people want to see. So I, I emailed them and I said, can y'all please speak about uh, recovering your business after COVID-19? I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> and I didn't even think about it. So Paul emails me back and he's like, uh, yeah, that's a great topic, except I only have 20 minutes. And I said to Royal, I basically asked them to like, Give the whole story of the Bible in 20 minutes. Yeah. Like yeah. 987 pages later. Yeah. But exactly. Y'all did great. We yeah. appreciate y'all fun. so much. It was a good challenge. I'll say that. It got us really to really focus down mm-hmm. and say, what can we say in 20 minutes? Because if you listen to our podcast, we, we tend to meander. So you guys yeah. forced us to be a little more disciplined. So that was good. <laughs> well, now you know you can do it. Because yes. You did great. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So we would love to hear more about y'all. I mean, like we said in the intro, you have your podcast, you have the Lash Conference. Tell us about your backgrounds and how you got into all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do we get into all this? Well, I started, um, I've been in the beauty business uh, for a long time. Um, I, I started. 27 years. Yes, I know you don't Sorry. have to actually mention the yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm 26. <laughs> That's awesome. Give me my so child. So basically oh my. started a year before you were born. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. 
Yeah, I actually started as an esthetician. Mm -hmm. um, I worked in the medical um, aesthetics world. I worked for a couple different plastic surgeons, um, doing skin peels, things like that. And med spas too. And med spas, yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in San Francisco. We, we, uh, it was called the lunchtime peel with biomedic. It used to be with the, we, with the scalpel, the dermaplaning, and the CO2. Mm -hmm. um, they got bought out by La Roche-Posay. Um, but then I discovered lashes in 2005, and that completely changed my world. Yep. Um, I started a salon to 2006 yep. and uh, we built a, a seven-figure salon yeah um, it was around for 13 years and we closed it won last a year a lot of awards with that uh, and now we are on to um, uh, coaching and teaching and speaking and, and speaking doing podcasts and, and hanging out mm -hmm. with cool people like you guys so That's and right. I, I came from the film side we moved to LA because I thought I had this weird idea I'd be a screenwriter one day and uh, then I realized that uh, I probably didn't have the drive enough. I mean, really, if you want to work in film, you, you kind of give up everything else in your life. You got to say, I'm not going to have friends. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm going to sit home and write all day. And I'm too social. And I like being around people. I'm sitting in a room by myself all day. I don't know why I thought that was a cool idea. I'll sit in a room by myself for 18 hours a day. Not a good match for no, your personality. No, not my personality match. <laughs> so anyhow, that all said, when the salon took off, she one day came to me in 2011 and said, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I'd already been helping her, but she really needed help at that point. Yeah. It had gotten, she had five, six staff. It was getting so busy. I didn't know what, I didn't know what I didn't know. I just knew that I couldn't do it on myself. Yeah. And mm -hmm. she was in the room doing the clients, really need someone to really help manage it. So then I had already run a couple of our businesses. So it just made sense to me to jump over and help her run this. So yeah, I joined her mm -hmm. and we kind of just stumbled upon the podcast because we just realized that in our industry, there's kind of like this one mentality that everyone has to do it this one way and yeah. that's what everyone this is it guys there's no other options and we're like man i there's there's more ways of doing things like there are many ways to skin a cat Absolutely. yeah yeah right? i mean we look at the hair world i always we would look at the hair world and i didn't never saw that same thing going on with hair it's almost like they celebrate the different ideas hey i'm cutting with swords hey i'm cutting <laughs> with my fingers or my toes or whatever like they're trying different things techniques and they're celebrating it and then they get the lashes and all i hear is there's only this oh, one only way, way to do, do it, it right? oh. and so i think it's because it's a younger it's a newer uh, industry, industry. Yeah. it's a newer industry industry and it's been and, around for about 10 years more I think or something like that and and lashes we kind of suffer from you know being in an echo chamber so somebody because it's new there's not a lot of authority out there so somebody yeah. comes out and says this is the way it is and then everybody just falls in line and and if you do or propose something different you're just that's not the way we do things right yeah and so I just think so that, you know we got tired of being told we're wrong so mm -hmm. I said well then I know what we'll do is we'll just create the biggest blow or not blowhorn what do you call it megaphone uh -huh. and a podcast is that and you can just share whatever you want and we aren't just making things up we're we not always, beholden to you yeah. know uh the uh the system or yeah you know, and the then rules. we can yeah. we can help influence the system and we can bring new ideas in and hopefully open up our industry to think about there's more than just this one way and, and i think really in the last three years we've seen the lash industry change mm -hmm. there's a lot more stuff going on about styling about how you approach lashes it's it, it's encouraging to see the trends moving in the right direction so that you know i'm not saying that we instigated it but that was really what we were hoping to see and now we've at least seen some of it and we will continue to push for that because mm -hmm. i think having an open mind and saying instead of saying there's only one way of doing anything i like to say let's look at all options mm -hmm. and that's why you know i think you get better ideas when you do that absolutely awesome. wow. okay i just have a question people telling you you're not doing things right but y'all were 
had a seven figure business. So, I'm sorry. Um, were these people, did they have like eight, nine figure businesses telling yeah. you you were doing it wrong? I mean, that that's to me. That's not usually how it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you would think that it would, would count for something, but over and over again, you know, people would ask like in forums and things, how, how, how we do things. And, and I'd say, well, you can handle it this way. You know, one of them is just even like, you know, rinsing eyelash, rinsing the eyeballs afterwards. Yeah. And the biggest thing was like, oh, you're not supposed to get the glue wet, you know? Ugh. And I, I you know, so it was like banging my head against the wall. I mean, we, I like to say we've been wetting lashes since 2006 because Tusney quickly, when she started, found out that cyanoacrylic glues actually love water. Mm-hmm. They actually thrive in water. And, and basically when she found out, she said, well, then I'm not gonna be afraid of rinsing and cleaning the lashes before and rinsing them at the end of the appointment. And we, for years, were considered nut cases. Mm-hmm. Now, oh about two, three years ago, for some reason, um, it finally became more like okay yep. to wet people's lashes. But I'll still say this, now the official word in the street is you have to wait five minutes, then you can rinse the lashes. Because of lash polymerization and, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and a lot, you know, these things do exist, but is it relevant? It's yeah. really not relevant with the we, scale that we're dealing we with. We rinse our lashes, pro- we did a video, we showed people about 20 to 30 seconds after the lash, lash. We just take it, we take the tape off, and then we start rinsing the lashes mm-hmm. with saline, never water. Water is too harsh. And we would just rinse them and wash them, and that was the end of the appointment. And that's still today, I think in most circles, considered quite controversial because it's not wow. appropriate. And the reason why we wash them isn't necessarily to set the lashes. That's not what we're doing. What we're trying to do is we're trying to flush any foreign bodies that might be present in the mm. eye. We're trying to remove any residual solvents that might possibly cause irritation, um, irritation which is our first priority to preserve the health of the eyes that's what we're preserving you know that's what mm-hmm. we're responsible for anything that can send our clients to the doctor is something that is is danger to our industry mm-hmm. so this is what's best so it was always frustrating to be challenged well can you do that you know that kind of thing and so i realized okay we've got to educate people we've got to educate people to to understand how the actual chemistry of the adhesive how does it work mm-hmm. how does it bind with the water yeah. you know and then explaining um the danger uh, of you know the eye getting residues and you know a particulate in it that can be irritating you got to flush that out so the podcast helps us with that um it creates a platform for us to discuss those ideas so i guess the takeaway is if you feel like you're you have a voice and you know what you're talking about and you've uh, actually tested i mean we literally i tell people we had sixty thousand tests done in our salon that's how minimum how many lashes we did over the years wow and so people will be like you know, well, lashes, you know, if you put water on, they, they're, they're going to fall out. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, we literally did at least 60,000, maybe even 70,000 times. I can assure you between that, studying what the glue does, start working with doctors, talking to chemists, I can assure you it's safe, it's okay. But even still, you're going to get people pushing back because that's not what they've heard. Right. So if you need a, if you have a pl- new platform, start a podcast. That's, I guess, yeah. I guess sure. that's the takeaway here. It's like, oh, yeah, start your own podcast. Seriously. Um, so, oh, were you uh, yeah, cool question. What? Why did you guys um, close your lash? Um, Our your salon? salon? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, um, that's a hard story because it's yeah. a long one. We did a whole okay. episode on it. So I'll give you the short story. Okay. Because, yeah, I'll take the rest of the day. Before on you it. start that, you have to share, like, what our values were. Of, of or, the slot? Yeah, before. Oh, well, I mean, basically what happened with our business is we, you know, and hiring is, is, is always a difficult thing. Mm-hmm. And unless you know labor law, you, you really open yourself up to potential issues. Because most, 
I saw a study, and we, we closed because of a labor dispute. Uh, basically, there are 83% of all California businesses currently today are out of compliance when it comes to labor law. In uh, one uh, respect. In one way or another. They're, just, they're making a violation somehow because mm -hmm. California has by far, California and probably New York have the most difficult labor laws, restrictive and labor laws. And very complicated. Mm -hmm. And if you don't follow everything and you don't do anything, like for instance, like in California, you can be sued if, you're if you text your employees at home and tell them, hey, you know, don't come in, your client canceled because you're using their phone service. So it's uh, feasible. That, you won't get sued for just that because that's not enough. But that enough. technically is a violation. Uh, a lot of people don't realize no, that. Yeah, so the best way we handle it is what we did to our Zan is we actually paid our team a phone stipend. Mm -hmm. So we gave them, I think, $15 a month for their phone usage, saying for any usage, that's for me texting. And also we learned we do not text them for anything other than scheduling. Mm -hmm. If there's anything personal, hey, I need to talk to you. I wait till they come in and I talk to them because in the again, salon. they could say that that you're using their resource when they're not being or, compensated. Yeah, for if, that. if you're talking to them on their phone at home, you're they're on the clock technically, mm -hmm. and you're not paying them for that time. Mm -hmm. So you really need to say, you know what? You can't call your employees and talk about business. Now, if they're hourly, if they're hourly. Now, if they're salary, that's different. Mm -hmm. But if you're hourly or commission, you have to pay them for that time. So there's these weird things mm -hmm. in the labor law. California is really as difficult. As they should. It, I mean, as they should. Well, you, we, yeah. You have to follow the law. And, no, and I'm not we, saying we it, didn't want to follow the law, but what I'm saying is California is more restrictive than other states. Yes. You're going to other states, you can do a lot of stuff with no fear or all that. So yeah. anyhow, we basically um, did, we had um, paid breaks. In California, you have to have two paid breaks, two 10-minute breaks. And if you don't have those paid breaks, you get what they call an hour lunch or lunch or hour penalty, where you have to pay for each day that you, you miss one or both breaks, you have to pay them for that one hour. So we came to, we didn't know that law really. And then around 2016, it came to our, someone said, hey, you know, you really need to change this. We looked into it and went, okay, we'll change it. So we went back to our staff and said, guys, from now on, everyone's gonna get two paid breaks. We paid hourly, we weren't commissioned. The breaks have to be scheduled. They have to be scheduled. They have to be in the books. You can't just say, take in between clients. If, if you have clients that are booked back to back to back and you don't have a break shown in there, they can say, I never got that break and sue you for that. So our policy previously was we would book an extra 15 minutes and say, what was it? Well, no, we just said, you know, finish a few minutes early, start a few minutes late, and then in the middle, take your, you know, take your break. Mm -hmm. We but didn't always say take 10 minutes, but we just say, take what you need to go to the bathroom, get a drink, whatever. It's okay if you're just a couple minutes here and there. But what we ended up doing was we actually put 15 minutes. It only needs to be 10, but we actually started just putting 15 minute breaks between appointments. But that all said, um, we later had some staff that weren't so happy. And I, I, I'm not gonna blame them. There's always things that happen. We broke trust. I'm gonna, that's always why things happen. Somehow we broke trust, so they weren't happy. So I had this one gal, I had to fire her. And because I, again, misunderstood labor law, she was owed for vacation pay. I we had, had we'd been working on an accrual method, and we had paid out. Um, but no one knows that we, what it means, so let's just cut. Uh, <laughs> I would say, I'd say a girl be like, I don't. Meaning that if you work for, you know, uh, one month, you get one day of, of, of vacation. Right. You work it's, two months, you get yeah. two days. It wasn't, right? it wasn't quite like that. Yeah. yeah. But it's, here's the thing if you put in California, if on the paycheck, there was a line, if you put vacation pay on that, it doesn't matter if, it, if you, if you buy, uh, go by accrual or not, you, you are 
owed the client. Uh, the- so what we did, what Drew done, we should have done accrual, which would only mean as, as they work more hours, you get more vacation pay. At the beginning of the month, year in January, I just put all their vacation days in the paychecks. I put 10 or five, depending on how long they've been with us. And so this gal had five days in her vacation pay package at that point, And she basically got fired. She had already used, no, I mean, I'm sorry. She had 10, she had 10. She had already used, I think five or six of them. And so it was like in May then. And it was May. And she had to use a bunch. So mm-hmm. she was owed, I think four. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, cause it was May, I thought it was accrual. And I said, well, I paid you five or six already. It's May. It's not even halfway through the year. You've got all your vacation pay. I'm not going to pay you the rest of vacation pay. I didn't realize though, if it says in the paycheck though, she still has four days left. Mm -hmm. I, when I terminate her, even if she's fired, I have to pay her for those days. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So I didn't, she asked for it. I said, no, I'm not going to pay you for that. Cause in my mind I had already paid it. I mean, paid up to the month of May. And so she went to a lawyer and the lawyer went, wow. Yeah, you know what? I'm sure they made other mistakes. So why don't we go back and you, but you have to go get some people. Like, I'm not going to, you can't just sue yourself. We want this to be a big enough lawsuit. So it's worth oh, lawyer's time. So they went back and got six people ended up being eight total. A couple of people dropped out, but that all said it was, they did went back, found a bunch of people. I'd consider two of them were friends of ours who I think said they just wanted to help support this person because they just felt like, well, also, I think they wanted to make some money. They no, just thought they, they wanted to teach us. Yeah, they wanted to teach. Well, they didn't care as much. They weren't. They said they weren't as mad at us. But these other ones were. And really, in the end, it was just about free money. And I was told through the grapevine too. They thought we had insurance that would cover this, and that they'd get the money through insurance. And the one other interesting fact about California: there is no labor law insurance in mm-hmm. California. Not for salons. That is. They realize salons are salons are the only one. I the only one. But we're one of the industries they will not insure because oh, of the labor law violations are so normal in salons. So and we were wrong. They sued us for misbreaks because we did not always document them. Mm-hmm. And they also had it's about six months a year before we made that big shift that some of them had been with us for a few years. So they're able to go back and get those missed breaks and missed breaks adds up fast. So yeah. we thought it was gonna be a small amount that we could afford to pay them. They felt justified to get an insane amount of money. And finally, we, we just had, unfortunately, a bad lawyer and we settled for an amount that we couldn't repay him. It was, it was way out of our league and it would have taken us years to pay him back. And so we finally, um, and we, we, w- we would be in, in, we'd be in slavery for yeah. like 10 years or more. Oh and, and also at some point too, we were, I mean, I'm, I'm in my fifties. I'm like, well, I'm going to be paying them until I'm 60 something years old. And even then I didn't feel like they were really wronged. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, we, we were, and they we were good employers. Way. We paid for, for health insurance. We, we paid, paid for, for vacations. We yeah. paid for training. We yeah. paid for all the stuff. And I mean, our staff made good money. They weren't being somehow underpaid and lower than the industry mm-hmm. or like that. But I all said in the end, it, we just, we, we gave up. We made some mistakes that, that were very costly. Yeah. We didn't know the labor law. We didn't know mm-hmm. the boundaries. And if I knew better, I would have paid her the full vacation. Mm-hmm. If I knew sooner about the breaks, I would have paid for those breaks. And then there would have been no problems. But right ignorance is not a defense and so we we're basically responsible. we're responsible so we just finally said you know what we can't we can't do this we we try to find some ways maybe we tried more, to negotiate, you know, negotiate. Some pay, payment plans yeah. and and it yeah. wasn't acceptable to yeah them, so, so it was a painful lesson it was but very painful um at the same time for us we're thankful because it allowed us to move on we already had started the podcast about a year earlier mm-hmm. so for us we were moving in the direction of wanting to move towards coaching training gotcha. speaking and mm-hmm. all that anyway so it just really affirmed like this is what we have to do 
Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. Sorry. First. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I asked. I didn't even. Yeah. I didn't, think, I didn't even had no idea. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I had there we go. No idea. It's a. It's a. It's a big one, and I, I could go on for a couple hours. It's. A, it's a hard lesson to learn. Yeah. Because you sometimes people always ah I'm going to hire people I'm going to get my business. It's like man, guys, you gotta know the rules. You gotta know the labor laws. You gotta know the details. Don't just think. And then people get into tax troubles, all this other stuff because they just think opening a business is so much yeah. fun. They see Instagram, happy people, pictures of their team all smiling with champagne and they don't realize that guys that's the highlights then you have the real work that no one takes pictures of no one puts on their instagram and that's like you in the room doing payroll you sitting down having that difficult conversation telling the employee they have to stop doing that you those are the things that no one talks about but that is the real work mm -hmm. it's not all you know champagne and bubbles as they like to put sometimes i think you get a feeling when you look at instagram yeah it's true on instagram it's like you're seeing all the glamorous pictures, it's, but it's edited. It's yeah. not real life, yeah. you know? And I, first of all, I think it's incredible that y'all talk about this, yeah. that you tell the story, that you admit, you know, like, hey, we made these mistakes. We should have known this. And it just says so much about, you know, your integrity that you're like, hey, you know, we messed up and we're mm -hmm. going to own that. But now you're doing such a benefit to the rest of the industry by talking about it so that other people can learn from you and not make those same mistakes. I hope yeah. they do learn. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a painful lesson. But, but here's the thing. You should do a webinar, I just realized, by on labor law. <laughs> Seriously. Right? You know, yeah. even going through, um, you know, losing uh, the salon, and it's, it's, it's a death in a way. You know, it's mm -hmm. like... It's, losing a family it's member, like yeah. Losing some, you know, something that you birthed, just this idea, and and that you nurtured, and that you 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 blood and sweat, you you cried over. Um, that that was painful to walk away from and to 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 let go of, but at the same time, it's it it didn't kill us, you know. Yeah. I could still say it is well with my soul. You know, right, and right. it's because we had, we, we had our faith, we had um, each our, other. Our hope is not in our business, yeah. that's for sure. And that was the biggest lesson, which I was completely surprised that my life did not consist in what I thought was my success, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that, that was a, a nice, um, I don't want to say it's a nice test, but it was, it was an unexpected benefit. Or to proof know. that we're yeah. our hope in, is, I mean, as as Christians, our hope is in Christ and our and, and uh, living for a bigger picture, a bigger game plan than just building our business. Our business yeah. is important, and we want to provide it. And we had our team; we love them. We want to provide for them, take care of them. But if that gets taken away from you, and if your whole identity is your salon, then then you have nothing. And That's so devastating, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so, so for us, it really was became much more like, no, no, this is okay. We and can it, pivot. And this. And we have something better we can do now. I mean, we already had started putting in kind of the, the work and started putting in some of the hours mm -hmm. to get this other thing started because we kind of knew long-term we wanted to take all these years experience. We didn't want to have such a sad <laughs> ending to our salon. Right. I think we wanted to have the salon. Like, we sold our salon for a million dollars and then we're on the coaching heaven. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, nah, we, we screwed up. And so we paid that price. We and, paid the price. And it was, pain, it was difficult. This is one of those things where... Sometimes people want to wait till everything's right, everything's perfect, everything's in line, and then life hits you. And you know, what's the joke that John Lennon says? You know, tell God your plans, and then life or life happens. Make your plans, and then life happens. Whatever. Yeah. Um, the idea is that for us, I mean, this was. I look back at this. This is so crazy. We were closing our salon in May, and in June we launched LashCon. Oh my! <laughs> we're going to help people with their businesses while we just completely 
screwed up and closed our salon. And I almost didn't we do it. We really felt like, oh my wow. gosh. We're should, failures. Should we like, we're we feel, other we're failures. failures. How can we do something? But this had been in, in the works for a while, or we had wanted to. No, we'd started in and December. Thought, okay, and, you know. Y- y- you know, when something, um, one of the things, like whenever anything discouraging happened with, with work, uh, if, if somebody left the salon or we had to let somebody go, one of the things about Paul is that he'd always say, okay, well, we're going to do a special project this month. What are we going to do? And it helped to get, you know, the focus off of the negative yeah, thing. Yeah, feeling and sorry to, for to grow. So as a practice, that's kind of one of the things that we do as a couple. Whenever something a little bit disappointing happens, we yeah. say, okay, what's the project that we've been wanting to do? Let's focus on that so that we can, again, be practicing being a team so that we're not at each other's throats, that we can lift each other up for this one purpose, you know, mm-hmm. and it's always served us. So yeah. thank so you for, for us, that. <laughs> but it's one of the few things that have served us. But yeah, basically, yeah, close the salon, turned our focus on helping our businesses, and LashCon ended up being, we almost had 300 people at the event. It was really, yeah, and we only had four months to sell tickets, too. Okay. I oh mean, that was the thing that was the other thing that we sh- I don't advise doing. Don't give yourself only three or four months to sell tickets. Like, give yourself six months, eight months, nine months. That's usually a better mm-hmm. better <laughs> strategy. You, you guys oh, did yeah. LashCon on a ship, right? No, no there, that was no, going to be yeah. Lash Cruise. Yeah. Lash Cruise. Yeah. Okay, sure. LashCon okay. was, was, was here in Pasadena. Yeah. And it was, that was uh, in October of last year, and, we, and that was just basically business. It was all focused on business, helping people with marketing and business. We did have our cruise, which that got canceled in March. Mm-hmm. Due to that, the coronavirus. Yeah, due to the coronavirus. So that was really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not good timing. Well, this is yeah. crazy because we had two things going. I had my event company. We have events helping last professionals. Well, events have been canceled for who knows how long. Mm-hmm. And then we, Tusney does lashes and takes care of clients. Well, that's been canceled too. So it's like yeah. 2020 is the year where, okay, both our businesses that we've been doing, we have to completely shift. So that's okay because like anything, you, you pivot. pivot. And yep. so we're now we're working on, on webinars and training and coaching and all that stuff. So. Oh my gosh. Okay. It's just amazing. I'm like mind blown right yeah. now. Um, there, there were so many things about what you said about that whole story with having to close your salon and the pivoting and all of that. And I, I feel like sometimes the universe has a way of just telling you like, nope, you're yeah. going to do this now. And I remember when I had to close my studio, um, cause I was in an accident, yeah. had to shut my doors, couldn't work anymore. Hadn't hired people like I should have, you know? And it, although it was on a much smaller scale, I hadn't had it for years and years. I mean, I understand what you're saying. Like, this is your baby. You had zero intention of ever letting it go. And then one day it's just like, you have zero control. It's gone. You have no yeah. control, no control. But I know for me, I mean, that opened the door to me going to the police academy which then another can't control broke my foot had to leave that but then that opened the door to spa strong and royal getting injured as awful as that was like that opened the door as well and so Mm -hmm. sometimes these terrible things happen but it's like the birthplace for something so wonderful and so new and i just love like now y'all have this beautiful opportunity let's reach as many people as we can we have this podcast we're doing the lash conference we're providing all of this value and helping people and educating and just making this a much better industry than you might have been able to do if all of your time and energy was still focused on the salon and yeah. running that on the employees. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it was, we realized LashCon would have been a huge failure actually if we were doing the salon. Cause our truth is 
with the salon, the way we had built our business, we, it took us, it took so much energy. We, we were very much hands-on involved in the salon. It wasn't on like, a, on leave a, it on running its own. We were about, I was there every day, being there for the invested. team, investing in the team, mm-hmm. supporting them. Eventually we were going to hire someone for to replace me, but we weren't there yet. So for me to have done that and done last con, last con would have been like 20 people and with a clown. And it would just no. been, it would have been horrible. So, so it's true <laughs> that um, you know uh, when 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 one door closes, another one opens. Yeah. and mm-hmm. you just got to be ready one. to look for it and find it because it happens for everyone. It's, it's ha- once I mean I've been around a few years now. It happens always. It, you're just going to come up to a point in your life, and you're going to have to change. You're just going to have to pivot. I mean, COVID nineteen has told a lot of people your way of doing business is done. You gotta find another way, and it, I'm sorry. There's nothing you can will it into existence. Like I'm gonna will my salon open right now. No, the government's gonna tell you you can't. Right. So you gotta find another way. So that's when you get creative. And I've seen people. I've watched some people online, other last professionals get creative, find new services, new fun ways to make money. So I mean, you just have to be open to it, and then yeah. be okay with it, and accept it, embrace it, give it a big hug, <laughs> to yeah. say, yeah. "I'm going to do it." Like you guys did. You guys had to pivot, reinvent yourself, and I think the people who don't sit back and lament and cry over why it's not the way that it should be or the way they want it, but just say, "Oh my gosh," you know, have that grit, have that unstoppable spirit that says, "You know, I'm not going to let anything stop me from moving forward." If it means in a different direction, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to let something stop me. And that I, I don't think you can teach people. There, there's people you have grit. Or you don't. It's not a, a, yeah. a developed skill set, at least in my opinion. I have heard it uh, explained um, in a word picture like um, a, a tapestry. So, like, we're sewing these threads of our lives, and you are going along, and, and then all of a sudden you get injured, right? And you think, oh, that's a huge disruption. And so, if you're ever doing any kind of embroidery, what happens is the front of it looks beautiful, but the back of it's full of knots and, like, uh, threads that are coming out Looks of like it. Looks like I made it. Right, right. And, and so every time there's an interruption, like, you know, you, you know, accidents and, you know, losing salons, salons yeah. things like that. Lawsuits. It's like all of a sudden, oh, the picture's going to be different. But the way that um, I think God works um, is that he is able to take those threads and make them into something absolutely beautiful. So what we thought was something devastating can actually become the focal point of our lives. And if we look back at this tapestry, we see those moments as being the start of something absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. that you can grow and, and, and change from. So there's always there's always a silver lining. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I think that's so beautiful. Like such a great way to explain it. Um, but ultimately, regardless of how beautiful the image is, you still have the choice to yeah. recognize the beauty in it or be angry about how yeah. it didn't turn out the way you expected. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so you have to decide like, okay, I'm strapped into the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. I have no choice now. I'm going uphill. Am I going to cry my way down or am I going to throw my hands up and be like, all right, enjoy it. I'm going to do it, you know? <laughs> and so everybody has that choice. And, you know, that's something that we, we talk about with our clients. Like, okay, things are not turning out the way that you thought. You still have options though. So let's look at our options. Let's look at how we can pivot. Let's look at how we can still make this work and help you to be able to, you know, retain your joy and everything in what you're doing because something bad happens, but that's never, that's never the end unless Mm -hmm. you let it be the end. I want to kind of go back and talk about the getting to the seven figure part, Mm -hmm. because one thing that y'all talk about a lot is, okay, 
Everybody's so obsessed with Instagram, but Instagram is not the only way to grow your no. business. Mm-hmm. No. Let's hear the different ways that y'all were able to attract clients outside of Instagram and what your philosophy on Instagram is. Yeah, I mean, Instagram is, what people don't realize is Instagram is a slow growth process. Mm-hmm. If you want to get clients tomorrow, Instagram is not your friend. It's going to take you a lot of work to get those clients, especially if you just opened up last week. You're like, yeah, I opened, I got my Instagram account. I got two followers. It's my mom and my sister. Okay, so that last I checked, they already come in and they want free lashes mm-hmm. or free services. So that's not helping me. So how am I going to get clients today? Instagram is, unless you're going to pay for advertising, which you could, but again, that's, it could be a lot of money before you really see it. And if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know how to write copy, you don't know how to take pictures, and you, you haven't really tested that market yet, it's going to take you a lot of work to get there. So there are much quicker ways to getting clients. And I know when Tusney first opened, I mean, her first thing she did is she actually got connected to her community. Mm-hmm. And the same thing people do when they get connected in Instagram, they think, oh, I'm going to get in the community. Well, that's a very slow growth because you can't really meet people overnight and make a thousand friends but if you in your city wherever you're at you can really quickly get connected so Tusney joined the most expensive um, health club Mm -hmm. and because she knew her ideal client would be in there they Mm -hmm. like they only go to the top they don't go to you know no offense to 24-hour fitness they go to the um, equinox or whatever Mm -hmm. it is so so she went there signed up yeah um i connected with um some of the trainers because i knew that they were i uh working with my ideal client the one that had the income and the desire to be handled by uh the best you know so um another thing that i did was i looked at what my ideal client cared about where did she send her kids to school she went to, you know, the, the private schools. So um, I kind of, you know, could reach out to the PTAs of some of these uh, private schools. I also found out one of our charities that was really big was NCL, National Charity League. That's like and, exclusively for like really uppity up people. And, 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 <laughs> it's a, and, it's a and female, it's a sorority for, but, you know. Yeah, and you know. I figured, okay, that's what they're concerned about. Let's, is this is this a cause that I can get behind? My daughter was the, the right age and she, she wanted yeah. to participate with me. So. I, I joined that that charity. Yeah, a bunch of clients. From um, a lot of it because we're all like minded, you know, and the same. They're all going to the the same uh, schools. Um, they're in San Marino, which you, know, you guys know in our backyard, San Marino's Beverly Hills. So mm-hmm. very upscale, perfect ideal clients. So yeah, finding um, another thing that I did was I uh, joined uh, BNI, which is called Business Networking International. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to like Chamber of Commerce, but mm-hmm. BNI is basically where you. Um, you network with it's a referral another. basically everyone goes in that for the sole purpose of referring people to your business so they only allow one person from each business in there so there's like one banker one attorney, one attorney for family law then there's one attorney for you know yeah. like bankruptcy or and something we, we like that we were there there was a hairstylist and there was Tusney doing skin at the time right and, la- and lashes and, 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 and what you do is you, you get up everyone eats breakfast together and you have uh, two minutes to go around the room and you ha- stand up and you give a two minute elevator pitch and then the the rest of the time is like, oh, I had a meeting with so and so. I had a uh, an, an, a referral for you know, and yeah. and, and it's just a, an opportunity to perfect your elevator speech and get yourself out there. I got a lot of hand um, out business cards, to everyone. Everyone of, walks away with business cards in that room. 
And yeah, and I didn't necessarily come away with a lot of referrals from that, but I, I came away with experience of learning how to get myself in front of people. It was safe. And it was confidence building. To build that confidence, to network with other people. Then I joined a, um, a trade organization. A barter organization. Barter. It's called... Um, it was called ACX at the time. It's changed since. Yeah, but. there's other ones. Basically, what you do is you, you give them gift certificates for your business. If you have... Uh, like $1,000 in gift certificates. And that gives you credit to so buy $1,000 worth of whatever services that you okay. want. So you, you might be able to use a limo or, or, or gift baskets or something like that. But it's networking with other... And I networked with uh, the florists there, the people that were doing weddings, because I knew that they would have brides that want, want to come and uh, get their lashes done. Well, what's great is that she gave that $1,000 to gift certificate. So each was like for 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. And so people then would go to the library, you could say, and they see, oh, their gift certificate to integrity. So they would take that $50 and they would deduct $50 from their account so it was just a barter they're just trading mm -hmm. back and forth and then the company takes a small fee that you pay every month mm -hmm. but the idea is that we got a bunch of clients who came to us they with the gift certificate saying hey now they weren't paying that time but they would become a regular client so it was just the cost of acquisition and those people know people yeah. you know what i'm saying and those, yeah. this stuff happens overnight i mean if you go out and you join your gym and you start you give some lashes to the gym to some of the trainers and then you join the organization nearby and you give out some cards there and then you join the barter thing and you you and you Within connect a couple, with a couple months, of moms, yeah. then it just doubles. It just begins to triple. Because you're, you know? you're really, you're doing live Instagram yeah. is what you're doing. You're yeah. doing live, you're really meeting real people, making real relationships, making real connections. And those people then become your ambassadors. And that's when you need to focus on the customer service side and make sure that you have that wow experience. If you're just, if you look like everyone else in your neighborhood, you're not doing it right. You're just looking like another average person. Amen. And that's why... People will come and go. They'll go to Groupon. They'll go to the cheapest because you're just like everyone else. You got to find ways to distinguish yourself. Be different. Like what we did is we like when people walked in, they had a little welcome sign with their name on it, so they knew this was a personalized day just made for them. We did little things like when they walked in, Tusney would um, like literally take their jacket from them, take their I shoes would off for them. Tuck them in, you know, put the blanket over them, and just like a. A kid, like, we, you know, you're tucking them in like a little burrito. Yep. I mean, people would, no matter how old they were, they'd get like a little kid. They'd shrug their shoulders. They'd get all excited just because they were getting tucked in, you know? <laughs> and just, and then Tusney at times would do a little, like, maybe a little massage, which wasn't part of lashes. But just little things that if you went somewhere else, you'd be like, well, I didn't get any little extra special touches. And then when they left... They would get a little bottle of water, which you guys have here, one of these Pellegrinos uh -huh. on the way out with um, spoolies and a little bag for the goodies. And that was just their goodbye present, which, you know, again, a lot of places I saw other salons would be charging. If you want some spoolies, we'll $2. charge you $2 for spoolies. Yeah. I'm like, stop it. Put that in your cost of, of service. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you make it all inclusive. Don't be nickel and diming people and treating it like you've just gone to a nail salon. Mm -hmm. You want them a high-end experience. Then just yep. give them a high ticket price and throw all the goodies in underneath that yep. and so when we did that we created such an experience that those people became raving fans and then really your number one tool is referral 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 it's not going to be instagram it's not going to be any of these other places it's going to be people who love you who've seen you got your experience and now they're going to tell their friends it may take some time it's not going to be overnight just one time hey can you refer me now you have to keep asking yeah. yes. and, and you ask every appointment you know do you have anybody that would be happy with the services that i offer and in that goodie bag you need to have those business cards in there and we did something with our business cards on the back of our business cards we had little lash tips so the idea was that, that you 
would look at it. So and they changed every month. So it wasn't just the same tip. Every month was a new tip. So that way, when they got their baggie every month, it'd be something new to read. And then that's something that maybe we always encourage, please hand these out to your friends. And again, it'd be a little different. So, and put your name on it. Yeah. So put your, the client, instruct the client yeah. to put their so name on the it. So they credit. get the referral credit. Because we now, would give, a, we'd give them like $20 credit for any referrals that they came in with. Yeah. Now, your listeners um, don't have to order new business cards every month, but they can just order the business card with their information on the front and the back is blank. And then you just put a sticker on it. Yeah, yeah. you can just you know, print just the sticker, yeah. It so that they're looking forward to something different every time they come in. Or what we did is because we we saw six to eight hundred clients a month, um, we would see uh, we, we would just if we didn't use all the cards, we just save for another time. We was like a year from now, we'll just pull those cards back out and use them again. So mm-hmm. we our goal was to have you know just twelve different cards and just cycle through them and then add new ones in here and there. So all these little touches make those fans, and then they become your real real um, way of connecting. I mean, I just saw a survey that. Last base posted and asked, where do your clients come from? Where are all your new clients? 50% came from referral, 50%. When yes. we did a survey of our salon, 50%. For us, only 5% came from Instagram. So all this work, I mean, there's people today spending two, three, four hours a day posting pictures, trying to figure out clever captions, following, liking each other people, commenting, and they're getting just a, a client a week maybe or something like that. That's not a fast approach. You really want to change it and get clients overnight. I, I know one hair salon that does this. When they set up a new business and they're a chain, when they set up in a new town, they literally give their new, they hire their staff, they hire like 10, 15 staff. They give them the stacks of business cards for free haircuts. Now, lashes is a little different. Maybe beauty service where it's a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do a free service, maybe a free brow or maybe a free spray tan, or mm-hmm. if you have some of those auxiliary businesses, or half off, or in our case, we would say maybe a free fill with a f- new set. So that way you get them twice, because like anything, you, you get them twice, you're gonna build up a habit. But you go out there, and with these hair salons, they would give out, they literally could spend a week going to the, like across the street where Trader Joe's is, where we are, and just passing out cards to everyone, going to the mall, passing out cards, to free haircut, free haircut, And free then haircut. what would happen? Then with the, next month, they'd be 100% booked. Mm-hmm. All 10, 15 stylists overnight, 100% booked because yes, they didn't make a lot of money that first month, but it's just one appointment. That's the cost of acquisition again. You think about it. You spend $50, 20 bucks, whatever to get the, get the client, and then they stay with you. For us, if we got a new client, they were worth at least $1,500 a, a year, $1,500 a year minimum. So if I lost 100 bucks, I'll take 50, I'll spend 100 to make 1500 any day. Right. Yeah. You know? So. The idea is that that's really how you build your following. And it, it takes a little bit more work. And for those of you who are shy, I get you. It sucks. But if you got into this business, you're working with people, you got to get out of that shell and just say, do you want to live? Or do you want to spend endless hours on Instagram trying to build up a following that's going to take you a couple years? And even then, it's never going to become a pipeline of hundreds of clients, especially if you want to hire staff one day and grow. I mean, I've talked to tons of salon owners say, how's Instagram for you? And they go, I get no, barely any clients on Instagram. That's not how I build my business. Mm-hmm. Solo entrepreneur, maybe you can, cause you don't need, you know, like we needed 40, 50 clients a day to keep things going. You know, if you're looking to get two clients a day, okay. You know, maybe it's a little less stressful, but yeah. I just think Instagram is way overplayed. I think a lot of the people who teach Instagram, I love them. I love them are my friends, but the problem is they know how to build Instagram of lash followers. They've, most of them never built an Instagram following for a salon. And most salons I know talk about, they just don't get that much bang for a buck from Instagram. Yeah, there's a big difference between attracting 
um, other estheticians or other lash artists to be your followers. Yeah. Like that's great. It's a, that's a great simple way to build your following. Maybe it gives a little social proof, Yeah. but those people are not booking with you. <laughs> no, they're not booking with you. They're just looking at your content, getting ideas for their own content and that's it. So if you want to find clients through Instagram, there are different things you need to be doing, but it should not be your only method. No. It should never be your only method. And I love what you said that um, before we started recording, you were like, Instagram is a validation tool. Yeah. People go to your Instagram once they see you exist. Yes. They go to Instagram to see what your work looks yep, like. Exactly. Somebody tells them, oh, you should go get your lashes done by so-and-so. Oh, what's their Instagram? They look at the Instagram. The only reason why they looked at the Instagram is because of the referral. Exactly. Somebody then they see you're there. They're like, okay, yeah, her work looks good. Now I'm going to book. Or they find you on Google or yep. hear about you somewhere else. And so it's not often that people are going to find you through Instagram. No. I, I will say though that, you know, for me, when I move to a new town, I usually go to Instagram mm -hmm. and I'll type in hashtag whatever it is I need. So when we were in Salt Lake, I needed a brow lamination. Hashtag brow lamination SLC. Mm -hmm. Out of all the people that I know are doing brow laminations in SLC, there were 18 posts that came up. Oh. And there was one main girl who was actually utilizing that hashtag. And so I let her know when I went in and got my brows done, I was like, look, I came to you because you gave me the service and you gave me the city. Mm. And that, because as a new person, you got to think like a client. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, client yeah. isn't going to go on and just be like, hashtag brow lamination. Now I'm going to filter through all of these posts to hopefully find somebody <laughs> 1. who's 8 in, million. Yeah. in you know, Billings, Montana. My last extensions. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so if you're going to use Instagram, make it as geographical as possible. Yeah. Don't just put it out there. You know, the client isn't going to search hashtag volume lashes mm -mm. and find you. No, they're going to look other ways. They're going to Google you. They're going to look on Yelp, all of those other things. Instagram is for validation. Yeah. yeah. Your website is more important. If you don't have a website and you have Instagram, you, you've missed your biggest tool. Oh, yeah. Your website is number one way people are going to find you just because of Google. Mm -hmm. When you type in Google, Google will find Yelp and they'll find your page on yep. Yelp and they'll find your website. That's how you're gonna get found. And by the way, just another side note about why I'm on dis Instagram right now. If you're gonna go on Instagram and you wanna attract the right type of clients, um, I can assure you that the one group that you really, really want, it's the high-end client. They don't use Instagram. They just don't. They're not there. They're they're basically they have assistants who do it for them. If they're like a move rock star like Beyonce, or if they are like like all our clients, lawyers and doctors and high social, um, I guess socialites. They don't even care. Like their kids do it maybe, yeah. but they, they don't care. They don't have time for that. It's like nonsense. Or if they do, they do some family photos once in a while just for keepsakes, but they're not looking on Instagram to find stuff. Not, not this, the way. No, it, Instagram's really great for younger people. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking for, for our ideal clients range is really between like 35 and like 65, that group is really too busy to spend, and they know they get And it's sucked, not their first know. language, no. the, the internet and, and Instagram. No, it's no. not. They're busy building empires and making money, and yeah. so for them, they know better. Going to Instagram, you don't make money. You lose right. money. <laughs> right, and I love that y'all are bringing this up. Um, my ideal client was like 35 to 65, mm -hmm. that range, yeah. older, and busy and working and making her money, and my clientele was referral-based. Yep. Because people, especially people who are smart with their money, who is usually this higher end client that we're looking for, um, 
they're not going to go to just anybody. No. Mm -hmm. They want a referral. They want to know that somebody that they trust had a positive experience and then they'll give you a shot. But they're not just going to go be like, oh, she's got cute graphics. I'm going to book with her. No, that's that's not how it's going to work. You're going to attract a certain client base, but it's going to be a very different client base than that high end. I'm going to pay, you know, $50, $100 more than what the market value is because I'm going to pay for this extra fabulous experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So you've got to think about who are you trying? And I love what you said, Tessany. You said you thought about who your ideal client is and then you went to where she would be. Mm -hmm. She wasn't on Instagram. No. She was at Equinox, at the Mm -hmm. nice gym. She was at the country club. Mm -hmm. She was doing all. And so that's where you went and positioned yourself. You literally spent money. To get next to your ideal client. Yeah. That's exactly yes. it. Exactly. That's oh, exactly plastic it. surgeons was another one. Oh, yeah. Big source for the if you want high The big plastic surgeons. You go to the plastic surgeons. You start building a relationship with them. A referral referral. Uh, you refer you start referring because, you know, I did eyes. So I, I knew that my ideal client was going to be looking for surgical options for mm-hmm. her eyes. So find the best plastic surgeon in your in your uh, best specialty. And you, you build a relationship there. Start sending people. Start... Um, ask, give the front desk of the talk eye, to the front desk, the surgery coordinators, mm-hmm. get them to, because they're in front of people all the time. They want to look their best. Yep. You, you, you build that relationship, you know, with taking care of them so that they know that their clients are going to be taken care of too. Yeah. So that's what you do. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. You guys have literally mastered the concept of value. Mm. Oh. You know like, what? Yeah. It's. It's, thank it's, you that's very sweet that is that's really nice like everything yeah. I, I mean when, when we came in here I you know I because I remember what y'all talked about in the summit and everything I came in and Tussany oh come sit here pull the chair out for me <laughs> wouldn't let me go through a door before she could open it first oh put your things here oh here's the phone sanitizer <laughs> what you talked yeah. about the summit. I mean all of that and I was like I was like, okay, this is the this is the experience. <laughs> this is the you know Paul and Tessity experience. You're treated <laughs> like a queen, and I love that yeah. because it shows you're, you're consistent. And so it was easy for you. It, I mean, I'm assuming it was easy for you to give everybody that experience because it wasn't just an act. Because yeah. here you are, we're here, you know, collaborating together, doing podcasts together. And you still treated me like I was one of your high-end paying clients. I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody who came to y'all was so lucky. Like, this is so wonderful. And it's such a great example of how you should treat people. And even, and even though I'm not getting a service from you right now, I'm going to remember how I was treated by you. And if I ever have somebody, oh, in Pasadena, I need a lash artist. I'm not even going to think twice. Tessany Libbers, that's who you need to go to because I know that you're going to be treated like a queen there. Oh. You know, so nice of you to say. So, Very kind. Yeah, well, but, I mean, the value, just like Royal was the saying. Value. Yeah. And like, it, when I came off the elevator and looked to the right and I went around the little corner, I saw the door open already with you standing. I was like, I know she ain't been here standing this whole time. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but yeah, it's wonderful. And so for all of y'all who are listening right now that – because we know a lot of you are struggling to build your clientele. That's one of the biggest things yeah. that y'all talk to us about. How do I attract more clients? How do I attract more clients? And you need to look around you. Put your phone down. You know, utilize Instagram. Utilize social media a little bit. But put it down and look around you. And I love what you said. Get in the community. Mm-hmm. Go and meet people. Mm-hmm. Obscurity is your issue. Yeah. Not everybody is on social media. So go out and meet people and be gracious and 
interact and be professional and build these relationships. And then that's how people are going to know that you exist. Mm -hmm. You want to meet the people right here around you, not, you know, gain followers in the Ukraine or whatever, which again, it's nice for social proof, but they're not going to come and book with you probably. That's right. No, no. Can I add another thing that's really helpful about this is, um, the way that you your appearance your professional appearance and when you're going to these circles of of where you're trying to put yourself in front of you have to make sure that you look the part um there were many times that people would come in for an interview and i would just take one look at the way that they were dressed and like oh we're gonna have so much work with this one you know just because the way that they were their appearance just wasn't professional if you're going out and rubbing shoulders and wanting to attract a certain kind of clientele i'm not saying that your stuff has to be designer it doesn't but you have to look professional um you have to look a little bit better than the clients that you're attracting you know it's just it's just professional make sure that you're not too extra you know or you're not i mean but maybe if that's your clientele i for you know for me just make sure you're not going out looking like you're going to the nightclubs you know Mm -hmm. um because the kind of client that i was attracting or was trying to attract was somebody who wanted subtlety so I, I had to make sure that I looked that way. I had to look subtle. I had to look minimal. Um, not a lot of not a lot of bling, that kind of thing, but professional. Mm-hmm. I know so. a lot of times what happens is people get out on their own. They go, I'm my own boss, and I'm going to dress any way I want, look any way I want, talk in any way I want. And the problem is you're going to scare away some people then. There's just, and that's, and by the way, there's one person we love, La, or Allie from Last Anarchist. Love Allie. Allie is crass and crazy oh and just she out is there so funny and she, but she was okay with that and it worked for her because she attracted that type of client mm-hmm. so if that's your your thing i remember to this one salon it was like a rock and roll last salon like it was aesthetic was not for us but i'm like you know what that might attract that kind of client and if you can build a business with the rock and roll last salon good for you go yeah. for it but you just gotta realize if you're not attracting clients or clients aren't staying, you know, there's many things. It could be obviously your technique. Maybe you're just not that good yet. But it could also be you're just not playing the part. You're not dressed the way to attract the type of person you want. Like Tusney wanted very high-end clients, so her dressing professional. Um, I would wear suits. I would wear, you know, something like if I was going to a charity, um, I, I try to look like I, I was going to speak in front of the Senate, mm-hmm. you know, cause that would just open doors yeah. for people. Yeah, it does. It's, so it's just playing the part, the way you dress, the way you look. I know some people love showing up in their ripped jeans and t-shirts and all that stuff and, or their underwear or whatever it is that they want to do. And I <laughs> you know what, that's fine. But if you're, if you're struggling with clients, maybe that might be one of the reasons why you're not getting the people you want. Mm-hmm. You may have to look and reconsider that. And then once you get to the top, you can do whatever the heck you want. Your clients at that point are yours mm-hmm. and you yeah. can show up and, nothing right but you're in the beginning you're in the growing phase you have to get them to trust you yeah you have to get them to you know pay attention to you at all Mm -hmm. and if your look is off-putting then they're not they might not pay attention to you yeah Yeah. and i remember i mean when i started i thought that i was going to attract like hipster like cool you know glamorous lashes you know all this kind of stuff I realized I didn't like doing those big mega volume yeah. lashes. And so as my technique and I kind of started shifting into a more, I love how you said subtle, subtle. like a natural, subtle look. My clientele started getting older. Yeah. My clothes started getting a little more professional. <laughs> um, I stopped shopping so much at 
where was I shopping? Forever 21 and started shopping at Nordstrom and Madewell and, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of places, um, which was still age appropriate for me because I was in my 20s mm-hmm. and yeah. still having fun. But I, I was, I learned to position myself in a way where it's like, yes, I'm significantly older than the majority of, I mean, younger than the majority of my clients. But they still come in and trust me. I still have conversations with mm-hmm. them, and we still are able to build this relationship because I have. They've found a way that they can still identify with. Yeah. Me. You speak their language. Yes. Yeah. You you learn how to speak their language exactly. and appreciate the things that they appreciate. And, and I'm exactly. sure you guys know this, but uniform is everything. When you show up in a uniform as police officers, mm-hmm. it just the things change. People respect you, give you, like look at you differently than they do. I know that I, my biggest experience, I like to share sometimes, is when I was a, a ref for soccer. Uh-huh. And I swear, because I wear my referee outfit for my kids and their soccer games, people would just come up and ask me all sorts of questions because I looked like an authority. Yeah. And so like, oh, do you know where this is? I'm like, I'm a soccer ref. Why are you asking me that question? Yeah. I don't know. Check, and, check, check this out. Let me, let me just dovetail yeah. on that story. Um, as a flight attendant, one of the federal regulations, if you're ditching an airplane, which means that you're, you're evacuating the crew in the ocean or a body of water, one of the regulations is, is that you have to have a, your jacket. You have to have your jacket on when you leave the airplane. And I, in class, I was like, what on earth? Why do you have to go dog. back and get, the, <laughs> get your jacket? And they said, it's visuals. Yeah. Because you're in the water. They, the, uh, the passengers can tell who's in charge who's authority who's and the boss and it was like oh my gosh you're yeah. right that totally yeah. makes sense and the same is true in the salon you dress like a professional you look like a professional people are going to be more likely to respect you and as you guys are big about boundaries are more likely to respect your boundaries when you say this is how it's going to go if you're showing up in a you know, t-shirt and ripped jeans I'm sorry when you start saying stuff to like but look at you <laughs> you're, yep. you're well, a boss I mean no offense you don't look like a boss the way you're dressed yeah well it's that um, that you guys were talking about um Royal, you talked about it. It's the presence of action or the... Command presence. Command, command presence. presence. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you get that command presence. Yeah. You know, it's kind of everything, yeah. right? It's this story we're told in the police academy. It was two officers. Um, yeah, it was two officers. One officer was, like, super, like, put together well. His uniform was, like... Perfect. Like, crease, boots shine perfectly. And everything was nice, no lint, and it was fit and everything. Then it was the second officer. And the second officer was, like, just sloppy. His shirt was hanging out. His belt, his his um, his Sam Brown duty belt was, like, crook sideways. <laughs> shoes dirty and everything. Well, this criminal went and, and went shot and killed the the one that was um sloppy the sloppier one mm. and he said because i felt like i couldn't take the other one just how he looked <laughs> oh my god wow that's you huge. are kidding wow uh-huh. yeah that's that's, that's appearance. Appearance. just the appearance, appearance. Mm-hmm. Yep. that's powerful because the detail that that guy it conveyed something all those things about that shining uh uniform were symbols uh, symbols of uh of authority of authority and, yeah. and and character or like care you know and it's gonna take wow. you down if you shoot at them yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah that's so true and i think um again if you're wanting to run your business like a professional and you want it to be seen as an actual business where your prices aren't negotiable your policies aren't negotiable all of that if you're showing up you know and not to say there's Sometimes we have busy mornings and we're running late, but if you're showing up every day in your slippers and your messy bun and, you know, no makeup on and all of that, and then a client 
you know, tries to bring their pet in. And you're like, now, wait a second. This is a sanitary environment. Like, the cat's really? going to look at you really? and be like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm yeah. pretty sure you can make an exception for me today. Yeah. And yeah. then you're in that situation of negotiation. And how are you going to, it just makes it so much more difficult. But if you were always super polished mm-hmm. and everything is super clean and you look the part every single day, that client's probably going to think twice before they br- try to bring their animal yeah. into your space. Yeah. So Completely. you convey a message. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, this has been so wonderful. So before we start wrapping up, um, you have the podcast, you have LashCon. Can you tell us a little bit about Lash Conference? Yeah. And Lash Conference this year is going to be completely virtual because we, we did live, but obviously live events have been canceled. And for now, we didn't want not to do it because we just we just keep hearing from people. People, I mean, it's been a hard year people emotionally. People need connection. They need connection. And also, mm-hmm. they just need since we we were. It's a good year for learning. Like I think a lot of people have taken a lot of online courses, and so we just still want to bring that same magic that we had last year. So there will be the courses and, and speakers. And what's going to be great is it's going to be rolled out on a phone. We have an app that we're going to get that we're getting through the company. We're paying to help us produce this event. And they've created this beautiful interface where you can have your phone or you can use it on your computer and you can, the classes will roll out just as if you were going to a conference at nine o'clock, there'll be one at 1030 and so forth. And then there'll be some Q and A's live Q and A's here and there. Um, and then we also will be doing giveaways. We have sponsors. It'll be sponsor rooms where you can go in, you can meet with sponsors, set meetings, look at products that hopefully have them doing like online demos and stuff like that so it's gonna be very interactive still and we're still looking to do a sunday night party last year the really the thing that people love were the parties so we're still going to do a virtual party and so we we don't have all the details worked out all i know is it's going to be really cool for a couple hours we're going to hang out connect we're going to have people uh, submit videos and i think we're going to watch them be a viewing party yeah yeah. so it'll take a little uh uh, planning ahead of time yeah so we're going to be launching all that really soon if not by the time this plays hopefully it's already out there and ticket sales our tickets are going to be really reasonable between 150 and like 3 350 so super affordable there will be payment plans in place and all that so that's what's going on in november 15th and 16th if I remember right. Um, and we will have details. If not, just go to the lastconference.com and you'll see all the details there. Or just go to our Instagram at the last conference on Instagram or at lastcast podcast. That information will be available there too. All links in the bio. So that's the last conference. Awesome. We also now do webinars. We do a monthly webinar. We did a first one on glue for anyone in the lash industry side. I know you guys have a bigger audience than that, but for all you lash stylists, we basically taught you everything you need to know about glue. It was like a four-hour webinar. Wow. Discusses a lot of myths. Yeah, you really break a lot of myths. And then we did the lash allergy course just last week, and that was all about helping people understand that you can still have lashes even if you're allergic to the glue. So mm-hmm. we're going to continue to do. One, our next one actually is going to be a course that's kind of from your session we did with you. We're blown into a, a two or three hour webinar about how to build your clientele. And we're going to share awesome. everything because we built our salon in the middle of the Great Recession. And a lot of people don't realize, you know, you know, we've been here before and we did it. We were able to grow our salon, hire staff, all in the middle of a recession. So while I know a lot of people are scared right now, oh my gosh, it's bad, it's going to be horrible. Guys, it's, it, yes, it can be it can tough, be done. but it can be done. It just yeah. takes a little work, a little thinking outside the box, a little, heart, you know, a little grit, and you can build a business, even if the economy is going the opposite direction than we like it to be. We're in beauty. We got a little bit of a pass when it comes to recessions. We are not as hard hit as like auto 
dealerships right. <laughs> right, right. where no one's buying a car when there's no money. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so these online webinars, how yeah. would they gain access to these? Um, just go to our, again, to our Instagram at Lashcast okay. podcast, go into the link in the bio and sign up to become a Lashcast insider. Mm-hmm. So just right there at the top or third or button down. I think it says Lashcast insider. If you get our email list, then you'll basically get those invites when, when they're up. Right now, you can just go there. Also, there'll be our classes are listed, so you can buy the classses today on there. But the nice thing about being an insider is you get discounts. So Sweet. you definitely want to sign and be on our email list for that. Awesome. awesome. Yes. And like Paul said, we'll be linking all of this into the episode yeah. notes yeah. Yeah. And, um, so that y'all can gain access to these wonderful trainings. Um, but go to Lash Conference. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And then um, I also am going to link your podcast, including the episode that you referred to earlier. Cool. So we'll have all of that available for y'all. Um, also, before we close, Paul and Tessany, the mission of the Spa Strong podcast is to empower estheticians through boundaries, balance, health, and safety. So would y'all be able to just describe briefly what each of those means to you? Well, first off, I think your calling is awesome. But <laughs> when it comes down to that type of stuff, I think for me personally, um, balance is a tough one. I'll be honest. I, I don't believe in balance. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I just don't think it's a big one um, because I think life has seasons where you you just you, you shift all your, your weight. So it's like this is my season where I'm going to be like if you're, you have a sick one, I'm going to be with my, my wife or my kids. That's all that matters right now. And then there's other times in your season like when I had LashCon the week before LashCon the last two weeks. I was working 19, 20-hour days, sleeping just a couple hours a day at times because – I just balanced, went out the window. So for me, well, I would love the idea of balance and I think it's something to aspire towards. I'm also, I give myself permission to be okay when I'm out of balance and just be like, you know what? There's different seasons call for different times. I mean, we've enjoyed the COVID-19, but it's been a slowdown. So guess what? I've had a lot more balance. I'm not working as much. Been hanging out with our kids more. They're all adults now and moving out soon. So for us, it felt like it was our last chance. So for us, it's been a really good season to have that balance. Mm-hmm. But it's, I also give myself permission to be out of balance and not feel bad about it because I think sometimes we, we believe they're just like I have my family, my work, my, my community, my friends, and all these things have to be perfect, like a round circle. And I just, I just no, I just never been able to find, figure that out, at least for me. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. someone else does has that perfect balance mm-hmm. in our life. Mm-hmm. What about you, Tess? Well, I, I guess I'd like to talk about health uh, briefly. Um, and the health that I'm thinking about, it, I just keep thinking about mental health. Um, I mean, of course, uh, our physical health, our, our bodies is, is super important. And one of the things I learned is by working too much is that your body has a limit and sometimes it will say no. Mm-hmm. And despite as much, um, uh, as much, um, as we want to say, no matter how hard it is, I, I have the grit to get it done. If you've ever been injured, you know that sometimes your body says, I am not playing today. Um, so the thing about the, the health um, and mental health is that I think the biggest thing is to make sure your why is, is on target and that your whole reason for being, it, 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 I don't think it really should be wrapped up in, in business or, or, or financial success. Um, or even relationships sometimes, because those things can all disappear at any moment. Your, 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 um, your mental sanity has to be based on something that is, is stronger than that. And, and um, 
that can't be taken away at, at, at any turn when, when life has a, has a downturn. Um, for us, it's been our faith. Um, so investing in... Um, Something bigger than yourself. Bigger mm-hmm. than yourself, right? Be, to, to get that, that, that sense of power where you recharge and, and you find your reason for being. Because there are so many times in life that uh, material world is going to, to d- disappoint us and leave us broken. But having access to that source, that power that feeds our soul more than our physical bodies is something that I really encourage everyone to. And I guess I'll take boundaries. I'll, I'll give safety to okay. you to think about. But for me, for as far as boundaries go, um, I really think that's, and I think that's why you guys are probably so needed. I, I easily, to me, that's the biggest problem in our industry. Uh, as far as people having boundaries, we're such people pleasers. We, we got into this because we love people and we like making people happy. And when we do that, we confuse and we walk in not being prepared. Like, I know, like, I'm sure with police officers, you, you were taught to, when you enter a situation, especially if you have information, to go mentally prepared. Like, you have to know what you're about to do and you trained to be able to react. Now, of course, things come out of nowhere that you didn't expect, but you were mentally prepared. And I think at Lash Stylist, we or beauty professionals too, we need to be prepared beforehand. You don't just make up things and on spot on the spot in the moment like a client comes into their dog and you've never talked about dog policies this is a bad time for you all of a sudden to become very militant about something (laughs) you know it's like wait a minute wait you never say anything beforehand or if someone a client cancels and then this is your final straw so you freak out on them well you never put a cancellation policy in place so what what are you going to do so i think boundaries you know are one of the first things and i i think for you guys you see this it's like you get done you learn your skills now you got to learn boundaries. Otherwise, you're going to be so frustrated as a, as a beauty professional. You're going to be beaten up. And boundaries in every way, too. Boundaries with your boss. Bosses need to have boundaries with their, with their people, too. I learned that I could not spill in any way with my team. Something that I learned, and I heard this recently uh, on our podcast. I said, you need to be like Santa Claus. As if you're the boss, you need to be like Santa Claus. You need to be just perfect. You walk in, you're always smiling, you're always happy because the team needs that assurance that everything is okay. If they see you coming in on a bad day and you're like, stupid IRS, oh my gosh, this client wants a refund, oh, this, that sends That spreads. That spreads Mm -hmm. and the trust that you know what you're doing. If you don't, you can go talk to your spouse or maybe you have a partner or maybe you have a coach where you can get that help and support but your team needs you to be Santa. It only takes one screw up. Santa Claus shows one time without the beard on, with with a big with, with no belly, and all of a sudden Santa Claus is no longer Santa Claus, and the, the whole illusion is gone. And so I really think, as as business owners, I realized my I, I did that too many times with my staff, where I would give them a peek behind the curtain because I thought I was being authentic, mm-hmm. and I realized no, every time I did that, they actually lost trust because they felt like oh Paul doesn't know what he's doing, mm-hmm. Paul's totally lost, or Paul and Tess are. I'm worried now. Maybe the business isn't going well. And I realized that wasn't good then. So even as bosses, you really need to realize there are limits to what you can share and you need to be helping people. So boundaries, I think, are super important. And that's something yeah. you only learn by, I think, really being mindful and thoughtful and thinking through the process. What will I do in this case? What will I do in that case? And then you create books and you write down policies and they become your guiding lights. So when you face that situation, you know what to do. And then once in a while, a new one will come up. And guess what? As soon as that situation comes up, you get out the book or computer. You type up that new thing. When this happens again, this is how I'm going to handle it. And you prepare yourself mentally. And then you're going to be better off. 
Absolutely. Very good. Well, for the last one, safety. Um, safety requires uh, a commitment to um, the truth. You have to know what the truth is uh, about something in order to be safe about it. Um, you have to be constantly um, learning and asking those questions. What is the truth and, and what what is the system here? Um, when I think about safety, I'm thinking about doing things right, protecting you know the health of um, our clients, protecting my own health, protecting my family's health, doing what is right. And um, I think about what got us in trouble a lot was sometimes we um, we didn't know we didn't know the law. Mm -hmm. So you you have to constantly be seeking the truth to find out what is required of you. You have to um, have a commitment to do it right to get counsel from other people to make sure that you are protecting uh, life, liberty, happiness, uh, all that safety. Follow the rules. Um, there are so many organizations that are out there, like OSHA is one of them, um, that are, are, are committed to helping the health and in the workplace. Yeah. So find out all the rules about, you know, what's required of employers through OSHA. Um, in terms of um, business practices, um, HR. You've got to learn about yeah. HR. Otherwise, that's something that will be able to keep you safe and protect your business and your assets. If you have staff, you, HR, you work for yourself, don't worry about it. But man, that first person The minute person you on, have even one person. You've just, got to know the laws. You have to know like, the laws. In, in, we just found last year, you have to, in California, have to do, um, not, um, was it? Tra you have to do tra um, training. training for sexual um, harassment. harassment. If you are over for five, even like like over five, is it? I forget what it was. It's five people. So it's like small businesses now have to train. Have a program, yeah. and program. you have to be able to track it. So if some the inspector walks through the door, you can hand them the binder and say, "We've done this. We've had these meetings." Mm -hmm. I mean, even as crazy as when we got inspected by OSHA, the uh, the the inspector interviewed the em employees and says, "Okay, so what what do you do in case of a fire?" And thankfully, we had been told, and we once a year we had a safety meeting uh -huh. where we would tell our staff, "These are the things that we do if we have a fire." We would go out and say, "This is the pole that we're going to meet out in the parking lot if mm -hmm. we have an earthquake or have to abandon the building." Um, we talked about a shooter situation. What would we do? We lock our doors, close them, and all this. So we came up and we told them the protocol. So thankfully, when the OSHA said, "What are your protocols? What are your safety things?" They said, "Would we do it?" Because OSHA could write us up yeah. if so, we did not talk about these things. You're not off the hook just because you didn't know. Right? Yeah. So my encouragement is to be continuously learning and do it right. Get good counsel. Do it right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Being an owner is a lot to carry. It is a lot of hats and. You know, but it, you can get through it. And mean people like you guys, what we're doing, and there's others out there willing to help you out, and you'll be okay. <laughs> awesome. Yo, this was fantastic. Thank, Thank you, you so much for everything that you yeah. shared, for taking this time to be with us today. Um, once again, for you beautiful listeners, we will be linking all of their information and the references that we made in the episode notes. So you can definitely take a look at that. And then if you haven't yet, head over to the episode page on our website. We'll link that below as well so that you can get the download that's going to go along with this episode. All right. Thank you all, all right. so much again for Thank being you here. Yeah, Thank, Thank you. you. What an honor.